Hey friends, this is Mario J. Radford. I'm the pastor of Growth Point Church, and this is our podcast. I pray that it connects, leads, and maybe introduces you to a growing and life-changing relationship with Jesus. Now let's go into the message. Growing up, uh, my parents would often ask us uh, certain questions. Uh, usually the questions that they would ask us was uh, related to something that someone had done. So they were trying often to get to the bottom of something, um, trying to figure out who did it. And as brothers and sisters do, we don't often tell the truth. So not unless you have a sibling who always likes to get out of getting in trouble. They like to tell on other people. Um, so we were trying often to create um, some compelling story um, of how we were going to respond. And before we responded, the immediate warning that my parents would say often, or my grandparents, depending on who I was around, uh, would say, think about it before you say something. I don't know if there's anybody in the room who you've had that type of encounter with some type of guardian that um, before it went down, they would say, think about it before you respond. You don't want to get yourself in more trouble by saying the wrong thing. Um, I, I still to this day, and this is veering off a second, I still to this day, uh, I'm learning to understand when the parent would say, um, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Um, I understood what the intent of it was, but I, if it hurt you so much, then why did you continue to use that switch uh, to my demise? <laughs> it was the encouragement of our parents to um, not to be too quick with our response, uh, but to think about what you were going to say before you said it. I'm even, um, I apply that same principle oftentimes to um, situations where uh, something's getting ready to pop off or uh, somebody sends me a certain message that makes me want to immediately respond emotionally before I think intelligently. I have to sit there for a second. Sometimes for those of you who have worked in certain settings, you have to delete your email before you send it. Or sometimes you just have to save it in draft. Can I get a witness in the room? You have to sometimes just put it in draft and go to sleep about it and go to sleep on it and then wake up and take the draft out and get you like, yeah, that is exactly what I want to say. And then you push send. And even after you've edited it maybe five times, you know, and um, it's very important that you are thinkers uh, before you become doers. Ecclesiastes, the fifth chapter here as we look at this particular text, and I'm going to build on this for the sake of uh, painting the picture of where we're trying to go. Uh, in verse one, he says, watch your step when you enter God's house. Uh, when he says, watch your step, what he was saying is, it's important how you approach or handle God's things. There's a particular story where um, they were moving the ark. The ark, which those of you who might not know this, the ark uh, was a particular instrument um, that housed certain articles that would represent the presence of God. 
uh, the ark had been stolen or moved somewhere and they were retrieving the ark and they were so happy to have the presence or the replica of what represented the presence of God back and they touched it and moved it and tried to handle it in a certain way without any reverence for it and because they didn't have any reverence for it it says that somebody when when the ox stumbled someone reached out his hand to touch it just because he thought that he could just touch the presence of God any type of way and it says that God struck him dead uh, they were so afraid of it um, that they actually put it on someone else's yard, someone else's field, and that person's field became blessed just because it was in the presence of God. But when David sent them back to get the presence of God, there was a certain order that they had in obsess uh, obtaining or accessing, excuse me, the presence of God. And when they moved, they put it on a certain car and they had certain oxen that they would use to move the presence of God. And the Bible says that even as they only made just a few steps, every time they made just a few steps, they would give God praise because they had made it a few steps with the presence of God. What that meant was that they did not take God's presence for granted. They did not just think that they had access because according to the Old Testament, even priests, when they would go in to intercede for the people, they had to wear bells on their ankle uh, to make sure that if that particular priest was not consecrated enough and had not lived a purified life and he came beyond the curtains and came beyond the veil to the holy place that the Lord would strike him right where he stood or laid or prostrate because he was not presentable to be in for the presence of God. But now in day in 2020, we approach God's presence with anything uh, in some way, a sense of arrogance as if God is supposed to bless us. But in that day and in that time and in that culture and not even so long ago even my grandmother and other people old saints of old used to reverence God in such a way that they would say I'm just glad to be in the service one more time he didn't even have to let me live and I want to know if there's anybody in the room who has the reverence that when you wake up in the morning you're just grateful as Jermaine just said grateful that you gave me breath in my body one more time you did not allow me to die in my sin you didn't allow me to die in my wrong you didn't cut me off when I should have been cut off you did not destroy me when I should have been destroyed and I'm glad to be in his presence one more time if we have any grateful hearts can we give God a shout of praise for the grateful heart that we have that we're here in his presence one more time so he said watch your step when you enter to his gates come with thanksgiving uh, he didn't have to use you but he chose to uh, didn't have to have you here, but he chose to have you here. I, if, out of all the things I'm grateful for, I'm grateful that he chose me. Uh, not that I deserve to be chosen. Not that I was so right. Not that I was so wonderful. Not that I was so good. Not that I am still so good. But the fact that he still uses me in spite of me. Knowing me, but still loving me. Knowing me, but still using me. Knowing me and still extending his grace towards me. According to Lamentations 3.23, it says that it is by the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. It is because of his faithfulness. Hallelujah. Anybody know that the Lord's faithfulness is new every single morning? He says, watch how you enter. Watch how you enter in. He says, you want to enter to learn that's far better than mindlessly offering a sacrifice, doing more harm than good. Enter to learn means that you want to make sure that as you enter, that you enter not out of ceremonial routine. 
Uh, you do know that there's a such thing as learning how to do church. Uh, maybe it's not y'all, but maybe the person behind you. There are some of us who are routine Christians and not personal disciples. Routine Christians is this is what we do. This is how we do it. We go through the routine. This is how we sit. This is how we move. This is how the songs go. This is how we present ourselves. But that's not something personal. It's something out of routine. He says, enter to learn, meaning I want to have a posture of learning, meaning when I even approach the scriptures before I preach and when I approach the scriptures before I study, even if it's something that I ministered before, I approach the text as if it's something that I've never seen before because there may be something that God wants to teach me that I've never seen. Have any of you quoted a scripture that you learned from childhood, but it means something different to you when you get broke? Many of us talked about he was a father to the fatherless and you had a father, but it wasn't you knew how he was a father to the fatherless until you did not have a father. How it meant something to you. It went from logos to rhema. Logos means written word. Rhema means living word. Anybody ever had a living word down inside of you that you were driving down the street, driving New to Circle Road, and all of a sudden a rhema hit your spirit. You were headed to a meeting, but all of a sudden the word became alive to you and tears started streaming down your face because it went from the written word to the rhema word it was something that you needed for that moment and that time can anybody give God praise for the rhema moments in my life the times where he spoke exactly what I needed the times where he said something that I needed to hear right before I was getting ready to pop off the word became rhema to me Anybody got, can I get a witness for a second? Just a moment that you said, I was getting ready to say something, but a rhema hit me. A rhema, realize, something spoke in my soul and said, child, you ain't even worth it. Child, you ain't even worth my, 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 my sanity. I cannot give that to you, rhema. It's something that is alive. Um, when I was growing up in the Missionary Baptist Church, we were taught on the first Sunday night, uh, six o'clock, uh, when we approached the Lord's Supper. Uh, you know it as communion. I was raised at it as the Lord's Supper because uh, it was nighttime. And we said the Lord didn't eat in the daytime. He ate at night. Oh, we made some traditions out of all types of stuff. But we were taught that you weren't even to eat of the Lord's Supper or communion without reverence. That it wasn't a snack. And it wasn't just something that we ate and we just sang songs like uh, uh, Remember Me or, or sing songs like The Blood Will Never Lose His Power. It was something that was putting us in remembrance. And we would, we would learn song, we would learn scripture, Brother Barry, that would say, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the blood and the body of the Lord. As verse 28 would say, But let a man examine himself. When's the last time we even heard a message where someone say, look at yourself first? It says, let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread of the cup. What it means is, before you try to talk about why I need deliverance, have you gotten deliverance first? Let a man examine himself. Like, look at yourself in the mirror first. Look at yourself. Examine your heart. See if there's anything within you that needs to be cleaned out first before you even partake of this remembrance. Because he was wounded for my transgressions. <laughs> he was bruised for my iniquities. Be able to look within yourself. And then verse 2 of this same text in Ecclesiastes 5 verse 2 says, Now, don't shoot off at the mouth. Or speak before you think. He said, don't be too quick to tell God what you think. Hold this. 
He wants to hear. Don't be so quick to just be saying what you think God wants. Uh, he says, God is in charge, not you. It, it's important that you not become so routine with your words that it has no relational value to it. Do you hear what I'm saying? That you just don't go through routine and it has no relational value to it. Um, I remember growing up, and I'm telling my stories, not yours, but I remember growing up in the church. And uh, in church, I've been church all my life. There's a lot of things I know, but there are a lot of things I don't know because I was in church. Praise the Lord. Uh, but, but I do know that there were certain people in the church who we could repeat their sentences before they said it. Uh, there were certain preachers that we knew how they were going to close uh, and how they were uh, uh, going to end their message and uh, we know how and we knew all of that stuff because it was routine uh, didn't have a lot of power but it had a good sound it was all of that that we knew by routine and we could finish it and we knew how they were going to do it and we knew when they were going to grab their ear we knew all of that stuff and it was routine but it wasn't always relational and you have to be careful of people. A lot of times we would mock people because we knew they did the same thing every single time. Uh, deacons would pray the same way every single time. Devotion would go the same way every single time. Or the church, uh, we always knew who would shout at what time and, and who would throw their purse at what time and who was going to get stiff and the deacons would have to come and give them smelling salt. Y'all ain't been in that type of church. I like say what, say who. Yeah, this is how we used to have church. We, we knew all these different things, but they were always relational. And you have to make sure that your words mean something. What that means is you can say hallelujah just because you learned it, but you don't even know what hallelujah means. And a lot of us who were raised in or raised in a, um, excuse me, uh, a system and not a savior. And you can learn the, sa you can learn the system and never be introduced to the savior. Uh, the system will have you getting up on the microphone and saying, let's go ahead and give God a Shabbat. And you don't even know what the word Shabbat means. Uh, you can start talking about things that you've learned through a system, but you have not had a personal relationship with the Savior. And there's a difference in the church system and the church's Savior. <laughs> you become a systematic Christian. Someone who knows the system, but you don't know the Savior. And your life is showing that you don't know the Savior, but you sure do know the system. And that's why we're so rude, because the system taught us to be rude. But the Savior will teach you how to love. <laughs> so he says, don't shoot off at the mouth saying what you think God wants to hear. As you learn, as, as, I, as I give this particular lesson today, as we learn how to speak, as we learn how to think before we speak, the first thing that we find out, and I want to go, uh, can I go deeper? Y'all ready? Can I go deeper? The first thing we find out is that, first, first point one, is you can't speak right if you don't think right. <laughs> Some of y'all don't take notes. Go ahead and write that down. You're going to need that on Wednesday. You can't speak right if you don't think right. Some of your thinking is creeping out in your speaking. 
The reason that your life might be so damaging is because of your thinking, what you're thinking you are saying. Some of us say things and then we pull it back and say, well, I didn't mean to say that. Let me not say that, but you've said it. And what happens is you can't get the words back that you say. Even when you're saying words about people who are not even in the room. When you speak a thing, it goes out into the atmosphere and it lands wherever it lands because you have to be careful what it is that you say. Some of us are products of the thinking of our parents. And it's not us breaking our words, it's breaking the thinking that was spoken over our lives that has limited our view of life. Because we don't think we can be more than our parents thinking. But I'll come that you might have life and that you might have life more abundantly. Because the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I want to make sure you get your righteous mind back so that you can start speaking better and get your mind right. Somebody say, I got to get my mind right. I got to get my mind right. Grandmama meant well, but she didn't teach me well. I'm not saying mom, but I'm saying yours to be able to insert some of the people that we have learned things that might not have been well. And you have to go back and check that thing out and ask yourself, where did I learn that? Where did I learn that people can't be trusted? Where did I learn that I was supposed to stay broke? Where, where did I learn that there can't be a healthy church? Where, where did I learn that the Holy Ghost is not for me and is only for a few people? Where did I learn that holiness was not right? Where, who taught me that? Where, where did I get that from? Did I get it because I have an allegiance to somebody who's dead and not even here anymore? And my respect for the deceased is better than my respect for the living. And I want my grandma and my mama to be proud of me and they ain't even here no more. You saying, but they looking down on glory. They ain't looking down. Jesus is. And he wants to know what are you doing with the breath that he put in your body? Your mind. Whew, your mind is creating pictures every day. Every moment, you're creating a canvas of which you're painting on all the time. There's a picture that you're carrying around. Uh, 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 where's uh, Ashley? I don't know if Ashley's here. I don't want to know her stage name. I don't want to say it wrong. But many of you are creating canvases and you're creating pictures every day that no one is even buying because it's not even a real picture. You created an illusion, a fictional character that's not even real. You might as well be writing stage plays and writing movies because you're living, you are an actor in your own movie that is not even real. But because you have acted in your own movie so long, it has become real to you and you even know the credits and how it happens and, and how it flows and how it goes and you know where commercial breaks goes and you, you have acted out this fictional life for a long time and it's based on your own thoughts. And your own thinking. Numbers. The, uh, there's some other people who did this too. Moses had uh, sent a group of leaders to uh, the promise. Uh, they were going to be entering into the promise. Is this blessing anybody? I hope this is helping you. Because I don't want to bore you. I know y'all got other things to do. Things that are coming on stars and HBO you need to get to. Uh, but here we find that uh, there's this particular uh, lesson where Moses was trying to send out leaders um, to spy out the land before they went into it. Uh, uh, they had not gone into the land yet, but their time in the wilderness was ending. 
uh, they were concluding that time, because I want to tell you this, that God only has appointed time for you to go through, for whoever receives it. Your life is not supposed to be a series of going through. But some of you have said that to yourself, so you keep saying, all I do is go through, and because you keep saying it, that's what keeps happening. But there was only a number of time. How long did they stay in the wilderness? Anybody know how long? Say it again. Yo, come on. Anybody who reads the Bible, how many, how long they stay in the wilderness? 40 years. 40. It was only a number of time. They weren't supposed to stay in there long. And the scripture even says that the journey could have been shorter than that. It didn't have to be as long as it was. But it is what it is. And there's some of you who don't have to go through as long as you have been going through. But somewhere in your thinking, God said, I have to take you through this because your thinking can't handle it yet. Uh, so they stayed in the wilderness longer than they needed to stay. And I hope y'all can handle the word today. They stayed in the wilderness longer than they had to stay in the wilderness. But it was for an appointed time. So they were approaching uh, the threshold of the promise. Moses, the leader, said, um, I want you all to go spy out the land, see what it looks like. They went to the land. Um, they saw that there was grapes that were bigger than they could carry. And they saw uh, all these different things that were just overwhelmingly plush and great. But they also saw uh, that as they went into the land, that there was also some friction or things that they had to fight to get. Let me tell you this, for those of you who don't know it. Your prophecy, your promise won't come without a fight. Some of you want everything without sacrifice or you want things without a fight. There are some things you're going to have to keep pressing. That doesn't mean that God didn't promise it to you, but some things you're still going to have to press your way through. And some of your pressing might be even against yourself. Because there are some things that God hasn't released to me because I wasn't ready, not it wasn't ready. It's not that the promise wasn't ready, but I wasn't ready. I didn't appreciate it yet. There, there's something about you getting something before you appreciate it. Uh, a blessing before time is a curse. Stepping ahead of God is a curse. So he wanted them to spy out the land to see, and they saw that there was going to be opposition in the land. Uh, they saw that they were going to have to fight. And uh, the Bible records that here in Numbers, the 13th chapter and verse 32, this is why I'm building on this case right here. You can't speak right if you don't think right. Numbers, the 13th chapter, verse 32, put it on the screen. It says, so some of the leaders, a majority of the leaders, excuse me, who were out spying out the land. It says they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land that they had scouted, meaning they went out to go spy out the land. And they came back with the report. The Israelites were waiting on this report. And it says that they, they gave a negative report. And they said this. The land we pass through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw in it. Hold, watch right here. We, the people we saw in it, visual perception, are men of great size. Verse 33 says... We even saw the Nephilim there, the descendants, meaning they were giants, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. And verse this right here, this is the part that threw me off. It says, to ourselves, someone say to ourselves. 
It says, to ourselves, we seemed like grasshoppers. Here. And we must have seemed the same to them. Did y'all see that? To ourselves, we seem like grasshoppers. And we must have seen the same to them. What he was saying is, because I told myself I wasn't capable, obviously the people must have thought as I thought. A lot of times, people don't think of you what you think of you. But because you've told yourself that, then you say they must think of me as I think of myself. And some of you have a low self-esteem value of yourself. So because you think of yourself low, that's why all your relationships are low. Your thinking of money is what's being released in your world. If you think you can't handle it, then it always escapes your hand. And when you look at your finance account, it's always low because you think you don't deserve more. So it says, dude, this may not be a shouting message, but I'm sure it's going to help you 20 years from now. He says, so because I thought of myself as a grasshopper, they must have felt the same way about me. Mind you, these are the people that Moses sent to spy out the land that was promised to them. I want to ask y'all a question. Who's giving you a report on what God says about you? Who are you listening to that's trying to counsel you on something? Hey, Kenny, who's trying to counsel you on what God said about your life? Who's in your ear about something God told you that he did not tell them? And you are thinking of yourselves based on the report. And one version says rumor that was spread. I run through this church. Rumor is something that is not real but travels further than the truth. A rumor will go further. If I said something to y'all right now that y'all ain't never heard before we get out this church, the text message meal will be going based on a rumor. But if I come back and clean it up and say that was a rumor, it wasn't the truth, you won't tweet the truth. And a lot of us have reconciled with the rumor, but you have not had a relationship with the truth. <sighs> to ourselves, some of y'all who are streaming on the uh, streaming right now, you watch it, put in the comment section and say, help me, Lord, help me, Lord. Put it in the comment section. It says, to ourselves, we seem like grasshoppers. And because of what I thought, they must have thought. So the majority brought back, hold this, the majority brought back an exaggerated report that outnumbered the minority. You missed the lesson in that. It's something the Lord said to me last night around 9, 18 p.m. I wrote it down when he said it. Sometimes the majority of our wrong thoughts outnumber the minority of our right thoughts. The majority of what you think wrong is outnumbering what God is trying to get you to think right. 
Some of y'all going to need this on Thursday. I hope that you can retain it the way that you're sitting there. I hope that you can retain it. But sometimes I got to write things down because I'm going to need it for the battle that I face on Thursday. But some of you are outnumbering. You're outnumbered. Your majority thoughts, the things that are wrong, the things that have been handed down to you, all these different things have outnumbered the minority that God is trying to teach you. And what happens is when you think wrong, you'll always have friends who think like you. This is what I've learned in my life. People who are not going anywhere, I always want you to go with them. People who ain't doing nothing, I always want you to do it with them. Because the minority, somebody lift up their hands and say, whoo, Lord, have mercy. Somebody did. I saw someone's like, whoo, Jesus. Because the majority of your thoughts have to make sure that they're balanced. You have to, what I'm saying is you have to make sure that when you're getting into the word, you have to ask yourself, is my thinking corrupting what I need to be saying? I need to go into the word and I need to make sure that my, my majority of my thoughts are now outnumbering what he's really trying to say to me. So that's, that's point one. Point one. Y'all ready for point two? Y'all ready? That's point one. Point one is you can't speak right if you don't think right. Point two is this. What you believe is what you confess. If you want to know what you believe, if I want to know what your belief system is, if I sit around you five minutes, I'll know exactly what you believe. Because whatever you believe is what you confess. Confession means what you proclaim. Proclaim means what you talk about. If you believe that everybody in your circle or everybody in your life is wrong, that's what you talk about. If you, if you stay around somebody long enough, you'll find out whatever's in them. Whatever's in you eventually always comes out. I never, I have never in the history of this church, there's not one person, uh, if somebody can tell me if I'm wrong, y'all been here for five years, but there's not one person that's ever come to this church that I have ever believed what anybody has ever told me about them in the beginning. Because I've always said, time will always reveal. I live by it. I live by it. Motives can only be suppressed for a short time. Because eventually, the real you will come on. Come on, Eminem. The real you will stand up at some point. And you'll find out. That's why you should sometimes date people longer than just a few meals. Because <laughs> people will feed you to silence you. Sometimes you need to get around the family and say, I need to see who you with, who you kin to, what's your mama act like, how you, how you treat your mama. I need to find out because I need to have a proper assessment. Your meals are good, but your mouth is bad. Is this helping anybody today? I don't want to preach to people who ain't ready. <laughs> Whatever you believe is what you confess. Let's go to the scripture. I learned this when I was a child, when I got saved on the Wednesday night. Romans 10 chapter and verse 8 says this. It says, but what does it say? It says, the word is near you. Someone say, it's near me. It's in my mouth. The words in my mouth, that scripture was talking about, he says, shall I ascend to the heights to go get the word? Like he was saying, shall I go to routine? Shall I go through all of this? Or shall I ascend to the devil? He said, oh, no, no. He said, no, you don't have to do all that. The word is in my mouth. He said, and it's in my heart. That is the word. I wish I could preach this the way I feel it. That is the word of faith. Someone say faith. faith. Say it again. Faith. 
It says the word of faith that we preach. Just in, just perhaps you thought y'all were attending a, motiva a motivational message. I want to give you a, I want to, I want to, 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 to remind you that I preach faith. This is a faith-filled word. I don't preach politics. I don't preach topics. I don't preach for election. I preach faith. That is the gospel that we preach. You're not going to be saved by any other name than in the name of Jesus Christ. It is the same name that saved me. It is the same name that will save you. I preach Jesus. Somebody say faith. Preaching anything outside of Jesus will not produce. Faith. I wish we had more faith in the church today. We have more attenders than we have faith. We have more music than we have faith. We have more streamers than we have faith. We, we have more people that have more to say. They don't believe anything. We have people who don't, they don't want to pick a side. But I remember according to my Bible, he said, whose side will you stand on? At some point, you've got to make a line and be able to say, am I for God or am I for this? You've got to make a decision. He says, this is the word of faith that we preach. Verse 9 says this, because if you confess with your mouth. What am I confessing, church? I'm confessing what I believe. <laughs> confess with your mouth what I say. What am I confessing? That Jesus is Lord. I wish we had people that even believed. I'm not talking about a shout. I'm talking about I wish we had more people that believed that Jesus was Lord. And some people say, oh, I do believe it. Your life doesn't mirror it. If you believe that Jesus was Lord, you might not be going through as much as you go through. Now, Jesus is not a storm eraser, but Jesus will carry you through. Yeah. Some of you think that Jesus is just some genie. Oh, no, 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 that's a movie. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't wipe things away, but he will carry you through things. So, so when you have faith to believe that Jesus is Lord, what you're saying is no matter what I go through, he's greater than what I'm going through. He is greater than what I'm experiencing. He's greater than what's happening to me. That is faith. What is faith? Faith is not what I see. It's what I believe. But we have too many people in this time who want to see it before you believe it that's what Thomas said Thomas said unless I see him unless I put my hands in his side I will not believe Jesus said oh you want to test me I'll show up Jesus showed up and he said to Thomas he said put your hands in my side he said see the nail prints in my hand and then Thomas said I believe Jesus said to him he said Thomas you believe because you see but blessed are those who do not see and still believe can I get somebody in the room who would give God praise that you don't know when it's going to happen but you still believe you don't know when miracles are going to happen but you still believe I wasn't at the cross but I still believe Jesus I was not at the tomb but I still believe Jesus I was not there at the sepulcher but I still believe somebody say I still believe don't care when it's going to happen don't know when it's going to happen but I believe God I don't believe huh, he's brought me this far. 
I don't believe it. I've walked with them too long for you to make me doubt them. I've seen too many things for, for you to make me doubt them. You should have met me when my faith was shaky. You should have met me before I had a few car repossessions on my resume. You, you should have met me before I got dropped and before I went through things and before I went through circumstances. You should have met me then and I might have believed in the universe and, and I might have believed in that. But now because I know what I know through the utmost Jesus saves. To, he will pick you up. He will pick you up and he will turn you around. Somebody say Jesus only. I believe God. I believe in Jesus. I believe in God the Father. I believe in God the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. You can't make me worship the air. I worship the God of the air. You can't make me worship the creation. I worship the creator. You can't make me worship the grass. I worship the one who grows the grass. You can't make me do it because I know too much about him. I'm sorry. I make myself happy. He's a good God. He's a good, good God. It may not be good to y'all. Some people say I'm a little bit too emotional. I ain't emotional. I'm grateful that I know him like I know him. Marvin Winans wrote a song and said, who would have thought I'd get to know him this way? Who would have thought that God would use me like this? Who would have thought that he would save me like this? Who would have thought that he would have preserved me like this? I was in the same car that somebody else died in. But here I am here to tell the story that millions didn't make it. But I was one of the ones who did. Give God praise that he's a good God. Thank you for being a good God. Woo, say thank you for being a good God. Woo, woo. He's a good God. Woo, I believe God. <laughs> I'm telling you what, I believe God when I don't believe people. I believe God when I don't believe in the economy. I believe God when I don't believe in the political structure. I believe God when I don't believe in a certain protest. I believe God because I've seen him move mountains. I've seen him raise the dead. I've seen him heal the sick. I've seen him save me. I've seen him keep me. I've seen him make ways. And I believe that the same God back then is the same God who will do it again. I believe God. Ah. Uh, I believe him. I believe him. I don't believe in your rocks. I believe in the rock. Rocks don't give me energy, but Jesus gives me all the energy that I need. I don't believe in all the scopes. I believe in the God of the scope. That he looked down and saw me where I was. And the God of nations reached where I was and saved my soul. Somebody give God praise. I believe God. I believe him. I believe him. Uh, I believe God. Whew, Jesus. I believe God. Whew, Jesus. I'm trying to get out of there, but I, I believe God. That's what I confess. I believe God. When you ask me how I'm going to pay my bills, I say I'm going to believe God. If you ask me how I'm going to make it to make it to December, I say I'm going to believe God. If you ask me when COVID's going to end, I don't know when it's going to end. But I know that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So if COVID don't get out of here, as long as I got King Jesus, I got King Jesus, I don't need need nobody else. Uh, somebody say I got Jesus. Uh, 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 all right. I believe God. Woo. 
It's hard for me to talk about Jesus and be calm. It's hard for me to talk about Jesus and just be ordinary. I've seen him do too many things. Can we just give God 30 seconds of praise because of what you've seen him do? Hey! Why are you trying to figure it out? God's already working out. I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. What I want you to do, hold on. I'm gonna give you one more minute to praise him because I gotta get to point three. I didn't plan for this message to go like this, but what I want you to do, I want you to get a situation that is going on in the life right now. It could be going on in the nation, it could be going on in the world, and I want you to picture it right now in your mind. And I want you to don't don't confess that, but I want you to say, in spite of that, I still believe God on the count of three. We're going to say it all together. In spite of that, I still believe God. Are y'all ready? One, two, three. In spite of that, I still believe God. Now put a praise on it. That's what grandmama used to do. I still believe you. I still believe you. I still believe you. Child's acting crazy, but I still believe you. Finances are low, but I still believe you. My head is hurting, but I still believe you. Distracted, but I still believe you. Clap your hand, church. Say, I still believe. Hey, I still believe. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I preach faith. That's what I do. Uh, I believe. I couldn't get past that that Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart my heart means my thoughts my heart is not my organs my heart is my thoughts some of you need to get a thought in your mind to be able to say I know what I feel but I know what I know I know what it feels like, but I know what I know. Come on, y'all ready to have church. I know what I feel like, but I know what I know. I feel pain in my body, but he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisements of his peace was upon him, and by his stripes, I am healed. Somebody say, I am healed. Am healed. That's what I know. I know what I feel, but I know what I know. Give God praise for what you know. Uh, 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 get out of that, Mario. Uh, y'all be seated. Sorry. Stop it. Uh, y'all be seated. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I feel like a praise break just needs to break out just because I believe God. Because some, some of y'all see in the sanctified church, we would praise God when we heard truth. <laughs> we praise God just because we said, God, I believe you. It was, I don't know what's going on, but I believe you. Huh? I don't know when it's going to happen, but I believe you. Can we take a moment to give God praise because I believe you. I still believe you. Yeah. 
family. He's going to do it for your family. He's going to do it for the nation. I believe God. Y'all let her dance. Going back to point one, you do know, Kamisha, that the people who didn't believe stayed where they were. The people who didn't believe stayed where they were. Matter of fact, Dr. Stephanie, they died where they were. But Joshua, Caleb said, I might be 80, but I still believed what I believed before. That if God said it's for me, I still want what's for me. So can we give God praise to say I still want what's mine? I still believe that God has for me, is for me. Come on, 30 more seconds, and I'm gonna preach again, I think. is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead 
It didn't say nothing about if you believe God will give you a job. It didn't say believe that God will give you a relationship. But if you believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What that means is if you can believe in Jesus' resurrection, he can resurrect your situation too. If you can believe in Jesus' power, he can give you power too. Can you give God praise that the same Jesus who got up will get me up too? Hey! I want to take this time to thank you for your prayers, support, and generous giving that make this ministry possible. For more ways to connect, visit online at growthpointchurch.org. If you've enjoyed today's message, you can like, subscribe, share with your friends, or take a screenshot and share on your social stories and tag us at MyGrowthPoint. Until next time, keep growing.